Today, I'm joined by Daniel Halverson. Uh, Daniel's someone I've known over the last 12 years, and when I think of Daniel, I think of another word, domination. Daniel has led the market in everything he's ever done. Um, from day one, he's been a top producer. Core Logic has ranked him number one in the city multiple years in a row, starting in 2018. When it comes to loan origination in Northeast Florida, no one does it better. No one knows the products better, and no one knows the guidelines better. More importantly, there's just not a better person to talk about these topics today. So I sit down with Daniel twice a month for a lending update as well as product updates and how to adapt to an ever-evolving market. Today, Daniel's going to talk about that product and also the market. I hope you guys enjoy this. Welcome to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, we're going to have our monthly lending update brought to you by our sponsor, Bank of England Mortgage. And with me today, I have my co-host, Mr. Daniel Halverson. Thanks for joining us today. It's good to be here. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about our lending update uh, sponsor, Bank of England Mortgage, brings to the table. And, uh, you know, each month it's something different, uh, obviously. But right now, we're in a different type of setting. We're in a different type of normality. And we're seeing a lot of people that entered the business in 18, 19, 20, 21, if you may. And it's been nothing but a rise to the top since then. And right now, we're kind of settling into normal. And what I use that word, I think there's really different types of normal for different types of people. What I mean by that is if you've been in the business in the last four years, your normal looks different than, say, my normal. I've been doing this for 21 years. You've been doing this for 12 years. Your normal looks different than a four-year normal. So as we talk about this, one of the things that we want to jump right into in this lending update is kind of the inventory conundrum getting back to normal. And, you know, in those, in those pre-pandemic levels, if you may not this 2021 level of inventory. So as we get into that, uh, our, our friends over at Market Distillery have been able to share some information with us. And, and the first thing we see there is that, you know, it shows that inventory year over year, now remember we're comparing 21 to 22, so that's always dangerous, but it shows that that inventory is down 17.5% year over year. You want to talk a little bit about that, Daniel, and kind of what you're seeing in the market with that? Yeah, so, you know, ultimately, I think that the biggest reason that inventory is, is down, um, you know, you start at the top down, really, if you look at um, household formations, so the Census Bureau publishes that information, mm -hmm. and um, you know, essentially we're creating 1.6 to 1.7 new households per year, and that's basically um, somebody going out on their own and and moving out, finding their own place, or that might be a, a couple that lives together, splitting up and living separately. Uh, but anyway, it, it ranges somewhere in the 1.6 to 1.7 million households per year. And when you say creating, you you mean like this number that they produce each year? The Census Bureau says, "Hey, listen, we had 1.5 million households last year. Now we're now we're at 1.6." Correct. That's kind of how it's gaining. Correct. Okay. And on on average, the you know the the numbers level out somewhere 1.6 to 1.7. Okay. So you've got that many households being formed, and you look at housing completions um, from the National Association of Builders, uh, and I look at housing completions because housing starts. Um, is is generally what's what is used based on permits pulled, and you would presume that those homes ultimately yes would be completed, but you don't know the time frame of that. So if you look at housing completions, though, if you you total up um, single family and multi, uh, you've got 1.35 million expected housing completions this year, of which a little bit under a million of that is single family homes. So you got 1.7 households that need somewhere to live. You got 1 million completed 
residences for them to go to. Right, because when we take the multifamilies out and we take out the apartments and things of that nature, we got a million single families. A million single families. And now we got 1.7 million people looking for a home. I mean, it doesn't take long to do the math. We're about 700,000 short right now. Yeah, and, you, and so you start at the top down, that's the top, but now you also look at you've got this situation where uh, the mobility rate of sellers, you know, of people wanting to go somewhere and, and buy a new home is much lower because they've presumably got a sub 3.5% interest rate. So their motivation to go from um, home A to home B is now mm -hmm. much lower. Uh, and that is also um, putting a drag on the, the amount of inventory that's out there. So I think that's an interesting uh, point as well, that interest rates are also kind of driving that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. We should talk about mobility rate because in 2018, we kind of saw that term surface a little bit. Then it dissipated really fast in the first quarter of 2019. But it really is playing a factor right now because over the course of the last really nine months, that mobility rate is that what we mean by that is that transfer rate from the seller, the seller who currently has a rate at 275 to let's say three and a half, heck, even four right now, that the, the cost for them to move into a home today, they can't transfer that rate with them. So there's no mobility in that rate. And that's why we refer to it as a mobility rate, because that may be actually keeping them in that home longer than they would normally be because of the affordability of maybe buying another home at 6% plus. Yeah. I mean, I, 100% accurate. So- you know, when we take a look at that, that's one of the things that's causing that inventory to be at 17 and a half combined with the other, um, the, the Census Bureau numbers that you mentioned, as well as the National Association of Home Builders numbers, you know, and when we put all that together, it creates an inventory problem moving forward. And it's, the, it's a simple supply and demand feature here because we have 700,000 people that are going to be looking for a home that are short of for a home. And you might not have a bidding war, you might not have a price war. But what you're going to have is an inventory war at some capacity getting ready to happen. Absolutely. And it is, as far as if you're looking at it as a buyer um, that wants to buy a home, obviously interest rates are a concern right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of buyers uh, mentally, their thought process uh, would be, I'm going to wait and see if these interest rates push home prices down to a point where I can afford it. Um, or where I'm more comfortable, even if maybe I can't afford it right now, where I'm more comfortable. And uh, if inventory continues to be a problem, well, home prices are going to continue to, to go up, albeit at a slower rate, because mm -hmm. interest rates certainly bring that, that number down. But to think that home prices are going to go down when there's this significant undersupply of housing, it just it doesn't, it doesn't add up. So, um, you know, I think as a buyer, and, and that kind of leads into a little bit uh, one of the other things that we we talked about, there was an article that came out, uh, a national news article that came out about buyers uh, settling in was the word they used. Uh, settling I saw that. Into, I think that was from Bloomberg. Correct. So settling into the higher rates and the logic being um, a lot of buyers are realizing, hey, maybe I should buy the home now and um, not find myself in a position where a year from now, I'm still paying five, six, seven percent more for that home and hope to refinance later with all the the you know, to the, the speculation, I guess you could call it, uh, mm -hmm. that interest rates um, will come down maybe over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. Um, and, I, and I really think that that's the mindset that a lot of buyers should have. If you can make it work right now, ultimately, you might find yourself in a position a year from now where prices are higher. If rates are still higher, you're in a worse position. Mm -hmm. But the other kind of the, 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 the bigger thing that I think that is something that maybe a lot of people are not considering is Imagine if you've got this market with extremely tight inventory, prices are still kind of going up, and then rates do come down to that 4.5% that Fannie yes. Mae says. And then 
are, do we have another situation, Recovery. maybe at a at a less um, less severe level? But do we have another situation where we're back to bidding wars and the inventory is still a problem? But now people can afford more, so they're willing to pay more. So I think it's just an interesting discussion, and it it begs the question as a buyer: you know, Are you indeed better off trying to buy a home right now and then refinancing in the future? Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com, boemortgage.com, because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor, all right, now back to the podcast. You know, I heard the commentary about the cost to wait. And I think it was something like, yeah, rates may be, and I'm going to exaggerate here, 7% today. Yeah, you're going to pay 7%, but you're paying 100% interest on that rent if you decide to rent, you know, because there's nothing being built there. And, and oftentimes, I think there's a, there's a disparity with our buyers in today's market that they've really been taught the idea that buying a home is an investment. Well, if it's your primary residence, there's kind of some, that's kind of a false pretense there that, that you should really look at that as more as um, not so much an asset. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's not your asset. Asset would be an investment vehicle for real estate, a rental home, you know, a, a commercial property. That's going to be your asset. This is a place you live in that, that it may or may not go up, but we've been so um, how can I say it? For so many years, we've been programmed that you're buying this and it's going to be an investment. It's going to raise in equity. The cost is going to go up. And over the last couple of years, we've seen this double digit plus increase. So now these waves of buyers and people that have refinanced and even that bought and sold multiple times that two years are programmed to get these large returns when in fact, real estate standard appreciation is 4%. But right now we're seeing 20 in some cases. Well, not right now, but in the last two years, 20 plus a year. And so buyers want to continue to keep seeing that, Right. And it's just, that's just not, it's not stable. It's not going to happen. And I think that it, you, the context, the narrative is, well, home prices are, home prices are falling. Well, not really. Home prices are still going up, at least in, in our, our market. I can't speak right. to every market. Home prices are still going up, just not at the same clip that they were. And you, know, you, you call it something different as far as the cycle that we're in right now. I, I kind of tend to refer to it more as the acceptance phase sure. uh, where we're at right now. Buyers have to accept where interest rates are. Um, sellers have to accept that uh, they're not maybe going to get 13 offers and someone bidding 50, 60, $70,000 over, over ask. So, Yeah, I think we call it the resetting expectations phase, but it's all the same and it's exactly what it is. They're having to accept where they are in the market. Right so now. yeah, so the resetting of expectations is is people are saying, okay, well, home prices are falling. Well, home prices are really not falling and there's really still not at this point from any of the data that we see, any compelling reason to think that home prices are going to fall to a point where affordability will significantly improve mm -hmm. for buyers. The only way that affordability will significantly improve 
is via interest rates. That's because wages, catalyst every time. Wages can't go up fast enough. Prices can't come down fast enough. Interest rates are really the only the only thing that are going to significantly move the needle on affordability. Right. And while we can't forecast, or excuse me, predict interest rates, we can forecast them. And, you know, and our friend Alex Stewart over at the Market Distillery Report, one of the things we've learned through that report is that in cycles like this, when the Fed raises the rates, the short-term interest rates as fast as they have, there's a probability and a high one at that, that the recipient of that is lower interest rates in due time. And to your point, as those rates start to come back down, the affordability is going to get more increasingly, which means as when rates come down, the seller always raises the price, always. And it's usually about a two-week to 30-day cycle. It's like, oh, well, buyers can afford more, raise the price. And so to your point, maybe getting in something now where you have a little bit more leverage. You want to talk about the buyer's leverage right now? Because that was something in the in the pre-show you were telling me about that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, just kind of bring it all home here as far as as a buyer. So you know, we talked about inventory. We talked about settling into interest rates. But the, the biggest takeaway from me that I'm seeing in the market right now is that buyers have more negotiating power than they've had since three, four years ago. Mm. The days of, of you know multiple offers and you give the seller whatever you want, you give them as long as they want or as, as fast as they want, you waive every contingency. So you know th those days are gone. More than half of the home builders are back to incentivizing uh, buyers via you know closing costs, all-purpose cash, rate buy downs, exactly you know, flex money. However, mm -hmm. they wanted to use it. You know that's coming back. We're seeing a lot more um, sellers agreeing to concessions, and we're actually working on grabbing the data from 2017 to current across all of our loan applications to see if we can show quantify exactly what the the increase has been from um, 2021 to now 22 in terms of how much the sellers are willing to contribute. But as a buyer, you've got a lot more opportunity to find value in this market in terms of negotiations. And then you think about that in terms of if I'm able to negotiate what at the time is a pretty good deal and Fannie Mae's right and interest rates go down to four and a half percent. Well, now I'm, I'm sitting on a really good deal instead of waiting on the sidelines and maybe finding myself in a position where I'm paying more for the same home and I'm in a bidding war uh, a year from now if interest rates do fall. Mm -hmm. So as we as we kind of wrap up here, a couple of things to think about. <clears throat> I want to talk about one topic before we actually wrap it up. You were mentioning earlier in the pre-show, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this, a little caution in the wind over some of these loan amounts that we're seeing out there right now. And I think what you were mentioning was that the standard conventional loan limit right now is about $647,200. Now, there, in COVID, there was this excitement level amongst lenders to jump the gun. And normally in November, uh, mid-level, November, mid-month, we get an announcement every year of what the new FHFA loan limit is going to be for conventional loan limit. And then FHA follows about a month later. And starting back last year, people were jumping the gun early. And let's say like in July, September, around that time frame in there, jumping the gun, giving new loan amounts. They did the same thing this year. But we've kind of have some caution in the wind with that. If you want to talk to it a little bit, it, historically, at least the twelve years that I've been in the business, you know, the the FHFA they come out and they announce the new loan limits. You know, Fannie Mae announces the new loan limits November December timeframe mm -hmm. effective for loans closing at the at January one or or beyond. So you know what the, exactly what the loan limit is at that point. And, and last year, for the first time, we saw lenders looking at that price index uh, that the FHFA produces and saying. We feel so good that this is going to hit a higher number that we're going to go from the actual loan limit, which was 548250 to we'll take loans at 625000 effective now, three, four months before January 1. Yeah, literally uh, guessing. 
Yeah, absolutely guessing. And and there's obviously a risk element to that if they're wrong. Um, they t- turned out being, you know, they undershot it because they went up almost 100,000. They went up to 647, 200. Right. But this year, you know, for the first time, uh, that index in July showed prices maybe stabilizing a little bit more. There, mm-hmm. there, there wasn't an increase like we're used to seeing. Um, but a lot of lenders have already gone out and said, okay, we're going to, we're comfortable going from 647 all the way up to 715. We'll take your $715,000 loans now, uh, because we're confident that those prices are going, that that price index will support those higher loan limits. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of months, you know, that data lags a little bit, but, but once we get August and September, it'd be interesting to see if those prices continue to show, show, to show stabilization. Does that mean that, uh, they're going to roll back those 715s mm-hmm. before the, uh, you know, before January one. So it's just kind of an interesting thing to keep an eye on to see if some lenders get caught. You know, I hate, I hate to say get caught with their pants down, but get caught trying to offer something and then having to roll it back and really being in an issue, a, a situation where they've got loans, you know, that that they can't offload to the agencies because they jumped the gun. Yeah, and for our audience, the FHFA is the Federal Housing Finance Agency. They determine all the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan limits and governing body for them. Um, and, and, and to Daniel's point, you know, I think it's interesting because it's not going to impact the borrower. I mean, the borrower's got the loan done, but it could impact the servicer, which could be a trickle-down effect. And it'll just be interesting to see how that plays out from here. I think it's definitely something worth watching. You know, as we bring this together for our audience, you know, some advice that I think we can offer here that's really interesting is um, – you know, we're in a different market. We're in a normal market. And for people that haven't experienced this, maybe just take a breath. Just take a breath, deep breath here that this is normal. And we, we go back to 2017, 18, this was every day. This is normal. And then, you know, we can't control what we can't control. You can't control interest rates. You can't control the economy. You can't control inflation, but you can control your thoughts and the way you prep for your business, what you do, right? We can't control buyers. We can't control sellers or, or anything else in between, just our actions, and then last but not least is forget, you know, maybe forget about what happened a year ago. That didn't happen right now. Forget about those multiple offers. 100%. You know, six days, six hours on the market, 20 offers. That is not happening. Forget about that. You know, it's kind of like the people that, that that survived five, six, seven and rolled into eight, nine, all the way to 15. You got to quit saying, I remember back in 2003, 2004, you got to quit saying, I remember a year ago or I remember 10 months ago. You got to let that go because that's not the market that we're in right now. And it's probably not going to be the market that we're in until we get on the other side of May to March. Yeah, I think you or nailed March it. To May. I think you nailed it. And, and as a buyer, I know we've reiterated this a little bit, but as a buyer, you've got to understand that there is value in the market right now. And mm-hmm. interest rates are not what you want them to be. They're certainly not what we want them to be. But there's opportunity and there's value out there. And if you're an agent, find those customers that understand that. Great point. Great point. Well, Daniel, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. The lending update's always fantastic. We'll continue to do this monthly. I'm your host, Quentin Harris. Thank you to our sponsor, Bank of England Mortgage. And thank you for being on the show, Daniel. Again, we appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah.